0: Did you just pay me a dollar
1: on Apple Cash?
0: Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply.
1: Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us.
1: Was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid
0: treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Saren. Yo, Elizabeth.
3: Hey, Saren, over
0: here. Yes. Hey, here.
3: hey. Listen, pal. Yes. You know it's ridiculous.
2: That robe you're wearing what <laughs> okay whatever i, I got dressed today it. look god somebody did yes i do elizabeth thank you for asking barbara ernie you ever heard of her no really
3: i don't know maybe i have you're in
2: the crime storytelling business you've never heard of her uh, i'd never heard of her either okay so uh she was a woman from Liechtenstein, and uh she was known for being someone who would rob inns like kind of like a highwayman but mm-hmm. she did it like highway woman style so okay. she went into the inn and robbed them there Brilliant.
3: Okay. Now, Highway women are doing it for themselves.
2: Oh, dude, you know it. Now, her nickname, her street name was Golden Booze. <laughs> B-O-O-S. Okay. Yeah, Golden Booze. Boo. So Golden Booze. She uh she was like uh you know hanging around in Liechtenstein, you know, doing her thing. This woman had this apparently striking red blonde hair, and she used to always uh travel with this treasure chest or a backpack, either one. So either she had like a traveling chest or a backpack, and she'd show up at an end and she'd go, Oh, I must have my backpack or my travel chest be locked in the nicest room you have. His inside of it is a priceless treasure, and I cannot have one of these highwaymen possibly or bandits or one of your local thieves stealing what, it. What this is the 1700s. So okay like mid uh, 18th century. Okay. So like yeah, like 1760s, 1750s. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so she's 1770s, whatever, you know sure, get so anyway, so she's uh, sitting there. she was, she would uh, stay in the best room. Sorry, not her. Her stuff would stay in the best room, and then she would just stay in some other room. Meanwhile, inside of her luggage or her uh, trunk or her backpack was a a little person. They would crawl out of the... the the backpack or out of the trunk, uh-huh. they would rob the room blind. Uh-huh. They would put all the stuff in the trunk or the backpack with them. Then they would be handed the backpack or the trunk the next morning, and Barbara Ernie would bounce out with her backpack and little man and be gone with a fortune. And they did this over and over again. And just she did it so <laughs> long, she got rich off of doing it. Wow! Yeah, she like she she was like the confidence queen.
3: Were other people keeping their stuff in this nice room?
2: Yeah, whatever's in that nice room i don't know like candlestick holders whatever <laughs> like, they got silver everywhere they got gold things everywhere so they just, they're grabbing like frames for pictures i don't know what yeah. they do they got candlestick holders are right everywhere they didn't have electricity That's you know how many candlestick holders you had to have so in a true. room they're all silver and gold Maybe coffee makers money sitting on tables so anyway, Mini fridges exactly they're taking everything they can and they eventually got caught and uh the dude never got caught. She got caught, and then, you know, that she had a terrible end. Did, but...
3: did he ever get out of
2: the suitcase? Of course he got out of the suitcase. Oh, he, maybe he... that's
3: why they didn't catch him.
2: Yeah, no, he, he's stuck. They, we still don't know his name. We only know her name. Isn't that ridiculous? Mm, that is genius.
3: so ridiculous, and I love it. Uh, you want to know what else is ridiculous? Yeah? Stealing something old. 100 million years old. What? <clears throat> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Oh, you damn right. Uh, were you into dinosaurs as a kid, Zaren?
2: Do you see me sitting here? <laughs> Yes, I was into dinosaurs. I, I am one of those kids who was into all of the things. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I was into dinosaurs. Yes. You're typically
3: a I never got into it beyond thinking that, like, the T-Rex was pretty cool. Sure. That's about as far as I went. Uh, but, there, you know, there are kids like you were who can name all sorts of obscure, tongue-twisting kinds of dinos. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I wonder what makes dinosaurs so compelling to kids.
2: I think it's the memorization
3: Really, I think it's like the real life monster. I'm saying, the, but there's a lot
2: of animals that that qualify for it. Yeah. If you think about it, right, and you find kids get into a lot of animals. But then the challenge of all the, as you exactly said, it's the tongue twisting names and mm-hmm. being able to know those. It's like one of your first things you can master as a little smart kid. You know, that's yeah. my thought. And then obviously, there's the majesty of these big thunder lizards or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. cool.
3: Well, I'll tell you, you know what? Something I'm just not comfortable speculating about this. Okay, so we'll just leave it be.
2: Sure. <laughs> I'm just speculating on myself. No,
3: I know. I'm just messing with you. Um, So dinosaur fossils, they have been unearthed on every continent on the planet. Ah, cool, huh? Speaking of which, I have a challenge for the rude dudes. Years ago, when I say on the planet, years ago, my brother and I saw a sort of viral video. It was like in the early days of viral videos, where a dad is frustrated with something dumb or like weird that this kid did. And he asks him, are you on the planet? and Travis Dutton and I quote this all the time, but we can't find the original video. So if this rings a bell, shoot it on over to us anyway.
2: I just recently did this with, uh, he was out all night with the Grand Marquis, which was a commercial, it was a line from a commercial that my family always says, she was out all night with the Grand Marquis. Not that Grand Marquis. And then they pan over to a car. But Uh it doesn't matter. It's like a so i know Did exactly how that it? is yeah I, found okay. it I, I got to show my family oh, i was like good, look, good. The, look what the youtube has everybody See, yours is much more fun. are
3: you all on the planet yeah. is all they always <laughs> say to each other um so dinos yes dinos. there are dino bones all over the planet uh some places have more than others the best places to find them are in deserts or badlands you know dry texas yeah texas so um The best of the locations are North America, Texas, like Utah, Colorado, Colorado, Wyoming. Uh, China. China's good. Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Particularly rich in fossils. Parts of Russia. Yeah, exactly. Um, one found in Brazil um, was a carnivorous creature called the Irritator. <laughs> Irritator Challengeri, in fact. <laughs> it was named after Professor My sister <laughs> no. Professor Challenger from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's 1912 novel, The Lost World. Yeah, bring it so on. Irritator home. Challengeri. Uh, and then there's Ubirajara Jubatus. What'd you call me? It's a 110-million-year-old dinosaur fossil that was found in Brazil.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, Ubirajara translates to Lord of the Spear or Maned Lord of the Spear. Yes. And it's from Brazil's indigenous Tupi language and the Latin word for crest. Oh, cool. Um, And it was believed uh, it was probably a predatory dinosaur about four and a half feet from snout to tail, but only standing 13 to 14 inches from shoulder to the to the ground. This is a little baby. A <laughs> long baby. This is
2: long, but little. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. um,
3: and it weighed about the same as, like, a turkey or a
2: large chicken. It weighed the same uh-huh. as that? Yeah. Wow, okay. It's kind of light yeah, for such a long light. boy. Yeah.
3: Um, Ubera Jara. I always
2: think of lizards being heavier than birds.
3: You're right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know why that is. The bird bones, you know, make it all lightweight. Um, Ubirajara, apparently similar to Indonesia's uh, standard-wing bird of paradise, which also had really, like, exaggerated shoulder feathers used Mm -hmm. for display, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. Some people
2: like to steal them.
3: I couldn't possibly speculate. (laughs) Um, Researchers thought that studying ubirajara might help explain why birds like peacocks get their flair for the dramatic.
2: Oh. So
3: that goes back in time. Interesting. One particular specimen, our Ubirajara, for the sake of this tale, had the neck and backbones, this specimen, some rib bones, a complete forelimb, and lumps of what's called grave wax, body fats.
2: Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So basically body fats that congealed in a way that they mm-hmm. were preserved.
3: Yeah, into this waxy substance. Huh. The, the the fossil attracted special attention. This one had extravagant spikes shooting up off of its shoulders. It's very like Tina Turner. Grace you know, Jones. Thunderdome. Yes. Oh, um, nice. Good call. As well as filaments, kind of like mammalian fur with the mane of like whiskery fur running down its back. That's where it gets that name. So it was a really groundbreaking discovery to have this kind of fur that still mix. preserved. Yeah. yeah. So Ubirajara... Um, was removed from the Araripe Basin in Brazil under unclear circumstances.
2: (laughs) I love those. There
3: wasn't a lot of paperwork involved, which is rare. I
2: also love that.
3: Because Great Holy Moses, the archaeologists, and the paleontologists, they love their documentation. Oh,
2: they do. It's such a problem for me with them. I'm like, again with the where did I get this bone? I don't
3: have the paperwork. I'll make
2: new paperwork. Here you go.
3: (laughs) So Ubirajara went from Brazil Uh to Germany. As one does. Yeah, sort of the reverse migration. Specifically, (laughs) the State Museum of Natural History, Karlsruhe, SMNK. Okay. There were no legitimate export permits or documentation as to how it was obtained in the first place, as I stated. SMNK, the museum, Mm. unbothered. Uh, (laughs) They unveiled Ubirajara in the publication uh, Cretaceous Research on Ooh. December 13th, 2020.
2: I just got my last issue.
3: Right? That was just... It just expired. No Brazilian authors. Hanky. <sighs> so the publication presented the specimen as a newly discovered species that German paleontologists named. Hmm. The publication of the paper set off legal... Ethical, <laughs> all these problems, all this controversy between German paleontologists and the entire Brazilian scientific community. Mm-hmm. So Brazil declared that the specimen had been illegally exported. Cretaceous Research permanently withdrew the Uberajara article in September of twenty twenty one. they're like, you know what? That's enough. This, of course, this puts the specimen in limbo. Yes, no one could do any research on Neither
2: it. Neither fish nor fowl.
3: No. So, per paleontologist Taysa Rodriguez mm-hmm. from Brazil's Federal University of Espíritu Santo, <laughs> uh, when an important fossil is found and sold, our scientists stop studying them. We are no longer discovering our own history. Hmm. The lead author of the now withdrawn Cretaceous research piece, Robert Smythe, he conducted his research as a master's student at the University of Portsmouth, okay. England. Right. He said, quote, up until now, we've been missing half of the world in terms of the evolution of feathers. It's just been a bit of blank space, really.
2: Yeah. So okay. We need to fill that blank space but, in.
3: Yeah, blank space like the paperwork on that export of old uh, Uber <laughs> jars should be, right, pal? So.
2: Do a lot of work in a blank space, Elizabeth.
3: Exactly. So, that same month, the magazine Science published an article highlighting the different accounts talking about how the specimen uh, was exported. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that reporting, the Baden-Württemberg Science Ministry launched an investigation.
2: Dun-dun-dun. Yeah.
3: Investigative journalism for the win. So <laughs> per the withdrawn Cretaceous uh, research article, Ubirajara jubatus was, quote, brought to Germany along with scientific samples in 1995. Uh, and this was done by SMK paleontologist Ebhard Frey, and that the authorized exporting of the specimen was granted in uh, February of 1995 by the National Department of Mineral Production. Um, and this gave Frey the go-ahead to ship, quote, two boxes containing calcareous samples with fossils without any commercial value with the main objective to proceed with paleontological studies to the SMK Museum. Sure.
2: So it sounds like they threw a lot of syllables at some paperwork to make yes, it sound official.
3: exactly. Okay. And they said, but they said we have paperwork. Yeah the museum later admitted to the ministry that it had made erroneous statements uh, in these in these uh, in these paperwork <laughs> oops so according to the ministry's probe the museum wasn't able to give any record of having obtained proper documentation of the fossil's acquisition and was unable to prove the specimen was imported before a 2007 german cultural protection law was put into place ah. they got nothing however 2021 the german ministry told science the magazine not just science Mm, writ large
2: just the book
3: smnk like hello science (laughs) like just yelling
2: outside by the way tell math this too (laughs) so
3: the german ministry tells science uh that the museum acquired the specimen in 2009 after it was imported by a private company in 2006 also jose Betemar Melo figueroa the now retired official who signed Frey's permit mm-hmm. told Brazilian news portal G1 that the researchers, quote, also needed authorization from the Ministry of Science and Technology. So this Brazilian guy signs on it thinking that this is going to help him get signed off from a larger Brazilian organization, mm-hmm. not that this is going to help him get it out off. of the country. Yeah. yeah. So Frey, in an email to uh, National Geographic, said, mm-hmm. quote, I am sure we will find a solution. You know, sure. Oh, yeah. um, and then he goes like on that to, optimism. Tell, he goes to tell science, we're trying to find a way to solve this in a fair way and a way that makes sense. Like,
2: I don't ever believe whom? someone who's saying that to a journalist. Mm-mm. If you're having to say that to a journalist at that point, I'm like, I don't believe Yeah, you. And
3: so fair for him. He's trying to negotiate trying to find something a fair. temporary lease of Ubirajara to keep him on display in Germany before returning it to Brazil.
2: We want to keep our feathered friend.
3: Yeah. just It's fair for me. Yes. Uh, So, um, Alexander Kellner, who is the director of the National Museum of Brazil, said, quote, everyone is welcome to study them, to publish on them, And then give them back. Like, they just want them back. So uh, Frey feels that even though uh, he obtained the required documents for the exportation of these fossils, that the documents only referred to samples that were unspecified. Um, And so he says they arrived legally, but we just can't prove it properly.
2: (laughs) You see, there's some ambiguities, (laughs) but I did not create them. I'm just living underneath them. He's
3: like, to sum up... Totally legal, totally cool. Exactly. So Kellner, though the director of the Brazilian uh, Museum, he says there's no legal exportation of fossils. Period.
2: Like, <laughs> that sounds just like a French answer, right? Just
3: doesn't no. work that way. So then he says that the only circumstance in which a fossil could legally leave the country for another to study would be as a temporary loan. And so Kellner asks, like, why is such an incredible fossil, but given to Germany so long ago, and we're only now seeing the publication? So is that because they knew that they got it under dubious circumstances? Hmm. He said, quote, It's hard to believe that any paleontologist would not have recognized the importance of this specimen and not published it earlier.
2: Okay, Because it is pretty groundbreaking. It's, I remember yeah, the hugely. talk about this one.
3: So David Martill, Martill of University of Portsmouth in England said in an email to National Geographic that he, quote, would be happy if all the Brazilian fossils in all of the museums around the world went back to Brazil. But.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that butt's doing a lot of work.
3: He thinks that the laws that Brazil has regarding fossil ownership are a little too strict, yeah. counterproductive.
2: I would love to be able to do that, but I just, I don't trust Brazil. I wish I could you give them know, back to you, it's Brazil. Why, why
3: won't you give them I to me? I stole
2: it from them, but <laughs> they don't value it the way I think they should. <laughs>
3: So here's what he says. Because the trade in fossils was illegal and because there was potentially big money to be made from trading them, it became utterly corrupt. (laughs) That's why? Right. Um, So, what are these overly strict and counterproductive laws? What are these overly
2: counterproductive
3: laws, Elizabeth? Well, a 1942 Brazilian law says that fossil collecting within the country requires national mining agency permits. It also says that all fossils that are found belong to the country. So, yeah, okay. It's pretty explored. standard.
1: Yeah, okay. No, this
3: is totally standard. Um, a decree made in 1990 added that the exporting of fossils must first be approved by Brazil's Ministry of Science, Technology, and Innovation. Mm-hmm. And then foreign researchers have to collaborate with a Brazilian institution in any studies.
2: Yeah, we want our names on the papers, too.
3: Right. I don't that see how fair. that's overreaching. No. And then they all—so this is proof that— SMNK should have had in hand, but they couldn't provide. They done broke the law. Oh, definitely broke the
2: law. And then also did it in that whole, like, it's only on paperwork.
3: Right. Frey, Frey, uh, he told German newspaper BNN that he was the only one really involved in this. And then SMNK scientific director Norbert Lenz... Didn't have anything to do with it.
2: I'm telling you, my boss was totally unaware of what I was doing now, Lenz, in the jungle.
3: who's Norbert Lenz? Yeah. He's who is Norbert Lenz? He's the co-author of the paper in Cretaceous Research.
2: He was totally unaware of everything except for the fact his name and was on the paper.
3: Totally innocent, but yet he left the museum on his own volition, yeah. September 30th,
2: 2022. <laughs> He's like, look, I'm out of here. I gotta go spend time with somebody else's family. But
3: he told BNN that he left and that had nothing to do with Ubirajara and then Science Magazine was like, "Hey, hey, can be we be get Bobby a comment?" Bob, hey, be what's Bob? up? He was like, "I don't know here. He's not here. Click. He
2: wouldn't <laughs> give a comment." Oh, really?
3: So, um, Frey and... I would
2: say it was about parking. Like, they wouldn't give me my parking space. Probably. Just say something ridiculous. Yeah,
3: like, it was horrible. I put that in print. Martel and Frey, they started criticizing the way that Brazil cares for their
2: fossil specimens. <laughs> I knew it. They said yeah. The same thing.
3: Always. So, they pointed out that there was a fire in 2018 at Rio de Janeiro's Museo Nacional, saying that the fire occurred because of negligence. And... Ni- Ninety-two and a half percent of the archived items in the museum were destroyed in the fire out of twenty million items.
2: If I was Brazil, I'd be like, well, a couple decades ago, you guys kinda bombed a lot of museums. So, so like where mm, are we at?
3: Yeah. One point <laughs> five million items were stored in a separate facility and they were spared uh-huh. from the fire. Um, the museum's on a hilltop and the fire hydrants didn't have enough pressure to get up though oh, know, up yeah, the hill with I gotcha. the water. Um, The museum's deputy director, he said the fire was a result of neglect from successive governments. So he said curators, quote, fought with different governments to get adequate resources to preserve what is now completely destroyed, and that he felt total dismay and immense anger. So the museum... Only had a few fire extinguishers, a smoke detector, no sprinkler system. And there were a lot of repairs needed at the museum, even before the fire.
2: We constantly run into this with museums. They always have bad security. They need updates. Well, in this one, peeling
3: paint, exposed wiring. And the museum had tried to address this through crowdfunding. So funds needed for the museum maintenance hadn't been provided since 2014. Indigenous people were livid that the museum wasn't getting funding. But at the same time, quote, the city had recently managed to fund a huge budget to build a brand new Museum of Tomorrow. (laughs) So the museum celebrated its 200th anniversary. Museum of
2: Tomorrow sounds ridiculous. (laughs) Yes, it
3: does. Uh, they, They did its 200th anniversary just three months before the fire. And at that point, it was partially abandoned, and no state officials came to the ceremony. So it was supposed to be an electrical fire. Um, So Martil, he doubles down, and he was like, you know what? It's a good thing the fossils weren't returned to Brazil before, quote, because now they would all be reduced to ashes after that tragic fire. (laughs) Uh, Elaine Gilardi, a paleontologist at the Federal University of Rio Grande do Norte, mm-hmm. had this to say in response, quote, Brazil does not take care of its fossils because the Museo Nacional burned. Okay, what about Notre Dame, she says. They're, <laughs> they're trying to neutralize, <laughs> normalize a very sick behavior. Damn, so Martel then is Notre like, Dame? okay, you know, that was a bit insensitive. <laughs> Uh, he claimed that he felt it was good to return fossils of Brazilian origin back to their home and to help rebuild the museum and its collections. I can't
2: believe she dropped them burning Notre
1: I know, Dame. So and, I so mean, good.
2: like,
3: wow. Quote, I realize that the following might seem inflammatory, but the inescapable fact is that so many fossils were removed from Brazil in the 1970s, 1980s, and first half of the 1990s. So he's like, okay, it happened before. Couldn't he when...
2: say upsetting instead of inflammatory? I mean, this guy's just.
3: <laughs> he's just not it. Let's take a dino break. Okay. When we come back, I'll tell you about an investigation with a super sick
0: radical name. Yeah, brah.
3: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
2: As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report, and it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafecom slash Ridiculous Crime. That's simplysafecom slash Ridiculous Crime. There's no safe like Safe.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail.
3: Hello. Hello. Hello, welcome. Hey. Ubirajara.
2: Yeah, that's right. Ubirajara.
3: Talk that talk. You know, that Ubirajara isn't the only fossil to be smuggled out of Brazil. No. No. In fact, yeah. dino bone smuggling has been a big operation there for some
2: time. Yes. From what I understand from the news?
3: Yes. <laughs> so much so that the government had a whole investigation surrounding the illicit bone trade. Really? Yeah. Operation Santana Raptor.
2: Oh, I like this. Yeah, Santana it's named for the Raptor. Santana
3: Raptor, all one word.
2: Ah, the Santana Raptor,
3: <laughs> which was discovered by our old pal uh, Alexander Kellner, of the director of the Museum of
2: Brazil. Not the musician Santana.
3: No. How much no. more
2: fun would it be if he <gasps> discovered if Carlos it? Carlos
3: Santana yeah. found dinosaur bones just, and named it. Yeah, he's on vacation. Raptor. He's like,
2: this is the Santana Raptor.
3: <laughs> well, it's the Santana Rob Thomas
2: and I discovered this on old walk. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the Santana raptor is a small Tyrannoceroid. Tyranna, Tyranna what-a-na? Tyrannosauroid. Tyrannosauroid. I'm so- sounded out, Elizabeth. Tyrannic- <laughs> this is why I'm just like, T-Rex is cool, yeah. man. <laughs>
2: a T-Roy. A uh,
3: theropod dinosaur. And uh, if that means anything to you, congratulations. But it kind of looks like a cute little (laughs) T-Rex. Yeah, with little hands and little... Yeah, so the investigation on uh, Operation Santana Raptor... Santana Raptor. (laughs) ...is something different. This all came about after a tip to local authorities in 2017 about the illegal exporting uh, and trading of fossils from the area of uh, Nova Olinda and Santana do Cariri. Oh, you know, sure. those places. Yeah, of course. Um, a fossil trafficking network was then discovered in Seattle, a northeastern state
2: of Brazil. If you say so.
3: It, totally. <laughs> um, Brazilians, don't even try coming at me. I know I'm messing <laughs> everything up. Um, so this had been going on uh, under the radar for decades. Mm-hmm. Portuguese, too. Leave me alone. I know I'm a mess up. Um, Operation Santana Raptor launched in late October of 2020 in a northern region of Brazil. Which one? <laughs> Chapada do aripi
2: There you go. Let it roll. So you just lean uh, no, into I it. No, I got it wrong. No?
3: Araripi. Araripi. There I ain't... left a syllable out.
2: Oh, okay. You know, I think that the locals will be impressed I'm with your efforts. I'm trying so hard. Yeah. I'm just
3: not good. I'm just not good enough. Your
2: tongue doesn't make these sounds.
3: No, and I'm just not good enough for like Brazil level operations. No. Uh, so, but the area. None of us are Elizabeth. No. Super rich with fossils. Yes. Just. Bustling with fossils, just
2: rife with fossils.
3: Of the fifty species of pterosaurs yes. described in the world, mm-hmm. twenty-three were identified in the Araripe Plateau. Damn. Yeah, twenty-three of fifty. I didn't know that. I'm Put wild. some respect on Araripe. Oh, yeah. uh, Brazilian federal police they got nineteen search warrants after the like on this sting for uh, traffickers. That was really nothing though because the area is so huge. It's six times larger than Sao Paulo. Hmm. And they just couldn't get a handle on the magnitude yeah, of the luck. operation. So fossil trafficking doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Not the unless drug Nicolas trade. Cage
2: is involved. <laughs> totally. Sorry, go on.
3: The drug trade is more immediate and sexy. Yeah, of course. You know. It does, however, have super high profits for the smugglers.
2: That's yeah. so
3: despite the laws and the special operations, the risk, totally worth
2: it. Also way fewer guns.
3: Yeah. Well, so, we would hope
2: you're less likely to be killed by a dinosaur you just get hunter.
3: Clunked over the head <laughs> with, the, with a with a dinosaur. You never bone. hear about
2: like dino bone cartels. I mean, there's a lot of well, reasons. you're going to get, listen. You're oh, hearing. Am I wrong? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, Operation Santana Raptor focused on businessmen, civil servants, and middlemen involved in the illegal trading of rare fossils. Okay. And you didn't have to be a paleontologist to discover fossils in this area. Hmm. Uh, pieces of archaeological value were just super easy to find. You like trip over them, it's
2: like rock climbers are yeah. finding them, and it's jungle es- guides. Well,
3: and it's especially true in limestone extraction areas. Oh
2: yes, definitely the wash so away of the limestone. yeah, the rare
3: fossils end up in the hands of the workers as they're you know cutting out the limestone. And those workers learn to identify, you know, when they have found a really good one. Mm -hmm. So, quote, many years ago, there were always people who sold it, but not now. Everything has changed. No one sells it anymore. Now we always find it and donate it to the company's warehouse where university students come and the boss delivers it for their studies, says Jose Gomez da Casta, a stonecutter. I believe him. I believe him. Although I don't believe a warehouse. Yeah, you just I mean, put them in the company warehouse.
2: I believe what he, what he wants to be to believe. Why so, not? It's more fun.
3: So these limestone quarries, right? They're kicking out all these dino bones. Yeah. There are almost 100 of them in this region. Oh, wow. So it's 100 just, quarries? Yeah. Damn. Um, And so one researcher said, quote, as a rule, laminated limestone workers do not earn well.
2: So anything
3: that appears that can supplement their income is a reason for joy for them. However, it's a loss to Brazilian heritage.
2: I hope that the company would at least credit them with some kind of bonus for for finding the dinosaur bone. They put their name on it like, oh, this is the Jose They're not going to
3: do that unless the company's making money. Sure, I know,
2: but the company can, whatever.
3: Yeah, I know. Remember, where there are people... There is crime. Yeah. And so fossils are not always delivered to the right people. Even Say a, words. Even, even a professor at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro was mm-hmm. under investigation.
2: A professor was? Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. He allegedly paid bribes on a monthly basis to local quarry workers who were digging this stuff up illegally.
2: He was paying monthly bribes? He's like Leonardo oh, da yeah, Vinci no, to like grave a, diggers? Like, give me the good bodies. Yeah, he had him on retainer. Yeah, I got like six guys, seven guys over there.
3: Local police chief Alan Robson Alexandrino Ramos mm-hmm. said, quote, the quarry workers and the middlemen were in close contact with the professor who funded regular expeditions. <laughs> when you find a fossil the correct procedure is to contact the National Mining Agency and let them know.
2: Yeah. Of but course. these guys, the come on.
3: And are are they, they going to pay you? No. We're
2: also not supposed to speed when we drive. <laughs> exactly.
3: So, crime syndicates have been illegally smuggling fossils from Seattle, mm-hmm. where uh, Chapada do Araripe is located. So, th- actually,
2: the syndicates get involved. It's not just random professors going off exactly. to the only hinky person they know.
3: Then we're into the cartels at okay. all. There we go. Uh, and buyers are found throughout the U.S., Europe, oh, bet. Japan. Between 1998 and 2008, over 32,000 fossils have been seized by officials in Seattle.
2: Did you say 32,000? 32,
3: 32,000 fossils in 10 years
2: full fossils, not just bones. Full. Damn,
3: uh, so the government was working to stop the fossils from leaving Brazil. But what about the ones that are already out there?
2: What about them, Elizabeth?
3: I'll tell you something paleontologists love to dig. <laughs> And they love to seek out the truth that's hiding in places often overlooked. If you have a mystery, I feel like a paleontologist is a good resource to have.
2: You think so? Yeah.
3: yeah. And since the illegal fossil trade isn't as flashy and attention-grabbing as other illicit trades, the paleontologists, they often have to track this stuff down themselves.
2: Oh, yeah. They're, like, beneath the, like, wild animal smugglers. No. They're like, can we get some attention? Ours are dead, but can exactly. we get some attention?
3: Listen, Zarin, Yeah. close your eyes. Oh, he snuck it up on him. Yes. I want you to picture it. It's 2019. You are previously mentioned badass paleontologist Tessa Rodriguez of Brazil's Federal University of Espírito Santo.
2: Look at me. There
3: it is. There you are, typing away at your computer, doing one of your special investigations. You finish off your iced latte, sucking in the last of the coffee at the bottom of the cup through a straw. It's been a long day. You have other stuff to do, but this is more important. You're on the hunt. There's a knock at your office door. Come back later, you call. You take a deep breath and you click through some web pages. Then you spot it. You're on eBay. You are looking for fossils. Fossils that should be in Brazil and not up for auction by some clown. And you see one, an incredible one. It's almost an entire skeleton of a pterosaur, a wingspan of about 13 feet. Damn. You know this piece. It's from the Araripe Plateau. And you know that it was smuggled out of Brazil between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety, which predates Operation Santana Raptor. Where is it now? France. <laughs> and they are asking two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for it.
2: Have they lost their ever love it? You know it's
3: worth at least twice that. Hmm. You ring up your contact at the Federal Public Ministry of Brazil while the phone rings, you print up the listing for the fossil in case they delete the sale. Got him, you tell your contact. You email her the link to the listing and you wait. Time to bring this baby home. I think it's amazing that while the paleontologists are underfunded and under-recognized in Brazil, they are undeterred. Badasses. You're a badass, Aaron. (laughs) So the company that owned the Terrasar initially presented a document to the French court that supposedly proved the legality of their possession of the fossil. But evidence that was gathered by the federal public ministry in Brazil showed that that documentation was false. Hmm. Forgeries. So the French authorities were called in. They went to the company and they searched and seized the pterosaur Uh, Quote, in a container that was transporting quartz, they found hundreds of fossils from all over the world, said Rafael Rayol, the prosecutor responsible for the investigation. Uh, They discovered the existence of another 45 fossils, which included sea turtles, arachnids, fish, reptiles, insects, plants, all of them millions of years old in this supposed container of quartz. Quote, there are many stores that sell fossils in the USA and Europe. It's a reasonably common sale, said Taysa, you, Saren. <laughs> she also said that the repatriation of fossils is usually hard and that the case in question is exceptional.
2: you damn right, so Taysa. Good job, me.
3: Taysa Z. <laughs> uh, So when they got back to Brazil, the recovered pieces became part of the collection of the Museum of Paleontology at the Regional University of Cariri. And that has, houses about 11,000 fossils there. Operation Santana Raptor, though, wasn't the only investigation into these crimes. There was Operation Cardoom in April of 2013. Mm -hmm. And in that case, the government was seeking to retrieve known fossils and found them at a guy's house. (laughs) And he was selling them to craft stores.
2: Oh, like... Just like a Michaels? Maybe
3: ho- Michaels? Hobby Lobby? Hobby Lobby. <laughs> no hate mail. Hob- no Hobby Lobby. Um, there was Operation Munich later uh-huh. that year. That was
2: to bust Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> it was
3: totally. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, so that, that one recovered semi-precious stones and fossils. And mm-hmm. the government had seven arrest warrants, nine search warrants all across Brazil. Some were in stores, some were in warehouses, and more than 2,000 fossils and artifacts were seized.
2: It's a Hmm. lot. I've gotta believe one of these investigations is gonna lead to Nicolas Cage's house. I mean how did he not I mean
3: Well how about Operation Flintstones?
2: Are you kidding? No, I'm not
3: kidding. It's an amazing name. That's top shelf right there.
2: Oh yeah, top shelf cutie.
3: Yeah. August 2015, this operation went full Flintstones and recovered (laughs) stolen fossils and artifacts from caves across Brazil. Yes. Yes. Um, So there were some frequent flyers in this group of captured crooks. One of them was a German geologist named Michael Lothar Gunther Schwickert. Uh, He was busted twice by the federal police. Mm. He uh, answered two police inquiries, but then he was released and just dipped out of Brazil. Just left the country.
2: His middle, middle name of Lothar? That's uh-huh. one of those names that sticks with me because of the, the old SNL skit of uh, Lothar <laughs> of the hill people. <laughs> See, this is what happens. You get one line and it line. just stays with you well, forever. Lothar,
3: uh, according to yes. a researcher um, mm-hmm. at the uh, paleontology laboratory at University of Cariri, mm-hmm. um, Lothar is, quote, a customary seller of fossils from Chapada do Araripe to collectors, researchers, universities, and museums around the world.
2: So he just breezes in, buys up some stolen dinosaur bones, Shums goes to Hong Kong, luggage. sells them for top dollars.
3: Exactly. Right. And Lothar, very familiar with the fossil basin, the mm-hmm. Araripe fossil basin, yeah. more than most. Um, this researcher, Alamo Saraiva, uh, called him, quote, a great fossil preparer, the best I've ever seen. Hmm. Uh, He's a specialist in, quote, cutting kariri stone taken from the laminated limestone.
2: She's really good at cutting limestone. He's
3: a great limestone cutter. Good at him. Top shelf. Uh, 2017, three tourists were arrested in the act. They were carrying a fossil each in their hand luggage. <laughs> and the, the airport x-ray <laughs> caught their loot. They're like, why, why do you have a what big bone in there, this? lady, lady? Um, they said they didn't know that smuggling fossils was a crime.
2: Uh, is, this, is this not legal? I thought this was fine. I thought it's like, if you can lift it, you can take it.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how we got here in the first place.
2: Yeah. Yes. Please. I was just trying to measure these dinosaur bones to see if they'd fit in my overhead uh, com- <laughs> uh, bag. So I think they will. I'm in luck.
3: Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Just make sure you wrap them in enough stuff so they don't get I broken. should probably
2: not have these be checked. Otherwise, they're going to go through x-ray. Mm-hmm. Darn.
3: Perfect. Uh, so we got we got us some smugglers yes. looting Brazilian mm-hmm. land for fossils.
2: Dinosaur smuggler blues. <laughs>
3: exactly. um, and they're almost always smuggled out generally to Europe. Mm. The U.S. scientists tend to stick to the stuff unearthed on home soil. Yeah, we got plenty.
2: I mean, tons. We, yeah,
3: and the Japanese are sticklers for proper paperwork and provenance.
2: Oh, I could see that. So
3: what gives, right? Yeah, colonization. It no. all started there.
2: Not that old bugaboo. So
3: back in the day, imperial powers took fossils from their colonies to their homes for study and to place on exhibit.
2: And not just fossils, Elizabeth. <laughs>
3: well, yeah. that's a whole other but no, I mean It
2: was kind of a colonial mindset. We right. take and we take home.
3: And so the practice endures. Yes. Uh, there's a researcher, um, Dr. Raja Shub, a paleontologist from the Erlingen-Nuremberg University in Germany, mm-hmm. quote, Now, what is happening is parachute science, where scientists from the richer countries go to poorer countries, collect fossils and information, and then take them to their institutions where they study them. There isn't an exchange of knowledge with local researchers, similar to what happened during the colonial era.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when they offer people, um, we're not going to pay you, we're going to give you free exposure. Oh, my God. They're totally. giving the country free exposure. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're going to let everyone know we got the bones here. It's cool. It's cool.
3: Well, many paleontologists, they take these natural resources. They don't leave anything behind. Mm-hmm. And that takes away from local knowledge and educational totally. training. But they
2: go, oh, we taught them how to dig. And we taught them the skills. So now yeah. they can do this, too. Yeah.
3: Raja Shub elaborates, mm-hmm. quote, the fact that paleontologists are not trained to think about ethics and laws and laws in general, has created a black market yeah, for scientists. So this is the, this is why you can't just have STEM. You have to have a full <laughs> liberal arts education. So you take like an ethics class, yeah. So Raja Shubh is one of seven paleontologists who study parachute science Um, According to Science Friday, quote, parachute science is a term describing how researchers sometimes drop down from an ivory tower into in the wealthy Western world into a foreign community for field work. They gather their data and then they zip off home without engaging with or acknowledging the contributions of the local researchers in that community. Hmm. Parachute science. Totally. So
2: you say Science Friday? Yeah. The NPR? Oh, nice. Yeah, so good. Like Ira.
3: We love it. Uh, despite the fact that the richest fossil sites in the world are in developing countries, sure. over the last 30 years, 97% of fossil data has been produced by scientists in wealthy countries. Raja Shub notes, quote, Our findings show that colonial history and economics influence patterns that we observe in paleontology. To see it so clearly through the data was the biggest surprise for everyone. Hmm. So the U.S. is the country who studies the most fossils. But like I said, uh, the studies show that the U.S. is also the country who studied fossils that were collected from home. Yeah,
2: we're getting high on our own supply. <laughs> totally.
3: Germany, the U.K., and France are next on the list of top fossil investigators. But okay. they're also the top countries for exploitation of scientific resources in third world countries. Mm-hmm. So, And they ice out the locals, too. This is what uh, oh, Dr. Raja Shub said. Quote, I think that researchers from the whole world, especially the ones from the richest countries, should think about the consequences of not being committed to local communities and to a country's researchers when they're researching abroad. Juan Carlos Cisneros of Brazil's Federal University of Piauí explains, quote, There is an enormous asymmetry. In archaeology, this problem is discussed, in museums too, but in paleontology, it's taboo. We hmm. have to talk about this because it exists, not sweep it under the rug. And then he explains the importance of place. Paleontology is a science that depends a lot on the context of where everything is found. If you find a dinosaur in Brazil, you won't just excavate that dinosaur. You will see everything around it. Fossils of other species, where it came from, from what level. When you get a fossil on the black market, all of that is lost. Sometimes the fossils have even been adulterated. That information gets lost and it can't be recovered. It's bad science
2: it's It's interesting how many times all these stories ultimately come down to every simple question is if we can only get the adults to learn how to share
3: <laughs> right? Another mark on the scientific community is blood amber, mm, oh, yeah. yeah. So fossils trapped in amber are beautiful mm-hmm. beautifully preserved. See Jurassic mm-hmm. Park.. Totally. Um, but like blood diamonds, a lot of that amber is gathered and sold to fund violent conflicts in other countries. The Society for of Vertebrate Paleontology, mm-hmm. which is the largest body of uh, professional paleontologists in the world, they called for a moratorium in April of 2020 on the publication of fossils that might have been sold to fuel the genocide Myanmar. Oh wow! So the mines uh, where amber fossils are found are all controlled by Myanmar totally. military. Um, and it's they who've committed acts of genocide against the country's Muslim Rohingya people.
2: Totally. It's like uh, wildlife smuggling or narco-trafficking. You're going to find disproportionately crime in those businesses. Exactly.
3: And so by selling the amber for a high price, the researchers are essentially funding genocide. Yeah. So while so much can be learned about us today and our future on the planet by studying dinosaurs and other fossils, it's not the stuffy, pure pursuit it may seem. You know, Not at all. And... There are, like anything we do, consequences. Mm-hmm. But Zarin. Yes, Elizabeth. Zaren, what of Uberajara? Ah, uh,
2: how many times do I say that to myself?
3: Every morning when you wake up. July 19th, 2022. Yes. Germany announced that the specimen would be returned to Brazil.
2: Yeah, raise up.
3: Theresia Bauer, who leads the Ministry of Science, Research, and Arts for the German state of Baden-Württemberg, told Science Magazine, not just science in general, quote, We have a clear stance. If there are objects in the collections of our museums that were acquired under legally or ethically unacceptable conditions, we will return them. It is important that with the return, we send a clear signal about the correct handling of collection items, their provenance, and scientific honesty.
2: Yes, That's a good stance to take. If you think, and you're in the business of paleontology, and you think there's these other paleontologists across the pond who aren't as good or don't have as as the standards you have— Maybe help them with the standards, as opposed to going. We've taken all their stuff.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. like that's just, just
2: hear what you're doing. Like, try to once again, you'll hear me say this often. Share, well, and share if you your free really knowledge, believe... your information, share what you know, and then go. Hey, let's all share these bones that we all are standing on top of.
3: Well, and if we really believe that it's to advance humanity, yeah, to study exactly. These things, you know. There was no
2: Brazil for dinosaurs. There was no Germany. (laughs) So they would be like, I don't know what y'all are talking about.
3: Right. Well, it's all just one thing. Uh, Dr. Frey, he retired in early 2022 and told Science he wasn't allowed to comment on the story.
2: Just the whole field. Yeah, he was
3: like, (laughs) hello, Science. Um, But Bauer told German newspaper BNN that the whole thing was scientific misconduct. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, At the same time, neither the German ministry nor SMNK took disciplinary action against any of the researchers involved.
2: It seems to be very common in these stories. When yeah. there's not enough like blood or money it's like and nothing was done. And nothing
3: was done. So remember Aline Ghilardi, mm-hmm. uh, the paleontologist at the Federal University of Rio Grande in Du Norte. How could I forget her? Notre Dame. Yes. Notre Dame.
2: She was the girl. <laughs>
3: she said of the return quote I am happy with the outcome. We have taken another step towards the real 21st century science which is getting rid even slowly of colonial ties and biases. Amen. Amen. And I'll
2: be over here dropping mics at this mic club.
3: <laughs> so Germany's decision to return Ubirajara is seen as a sort of victory against colonialism in the scientific community.
2: Good on you, Germany.
3: Gilardi also said, quote, European museums will not and should not be emptied. Fair exchanges and collaborations can be made so that everyone can share in the benefits that fossils can offer.
2: There's that word. Bring it on share. home. Share, share. Not just a pop star.
3: SMNK <laughs> says they're going to examine how it acquired other fossils in the collection. Yes. Uh, paleontologist Felipe Pinheiro mm-hmm. fought hard for the return of the Ubirajara to Brazil. He had a hashtag, Zarin.
2: <laughs> serious. Hashtag serious Ubirajara
3: belongs to BR. And look what he did.
2: Yes, I'm sure. Hashtag in a dream. To his credit.
3: So as to the Germans hanging on to some 40 other Brazil-based fossils, Pinheiro had this to say, quote.
2: We got new hashtags coming.
3: (laughs) As a Brazilian researcher, I am immensely happy that the specimen is going home. I am glad. This means that a few dozen other invaluable specimens are likely to make company to Ubirajara and return
2: home. It's kind of weird how they have to be graceful about going, can we have our stuff back? Right. Because if they're not graceful, they won't get they won't it get back. They we like, ridiculous. well, look at them. They're being jerks to us. Totally. <laughs> but you just <laughs> took their stuff. Like, imagine if I went to someone's, you know, some really rich home and I took, like, I don't know, all their, like, their uh, heirloom silver right their silver set from great 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 grandma and i'm like yeah but i thought you guys weren't using it you weren't taking care of it so i took it and i'm showing that to all my people and how nice silverware used to be we all love it it's important to us and they're like could we have it back i'm like no. you seem to be mad don't yell at me if you keep coming at me like that you're never seeing this again you guys will not appreciate your silverware I don't that's like what they're attitude. saying oh that's
3: totally is that your ridiculous takeaway
2: it could be it I should like be it. it is
3: it is <laughs> that's, that's beautiful what's your
2: ridiculous takeaway elizabeth you see how i did that just smooth yeah. easy boom it's,
3: Easy breezy. had that
2: sometime. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. Go on. What's yours?
3: I think, you know, akin to that, I, I feel like it's maddening that, you know, this control that gets exerted over these things and this notion of knowing what's best for yes. others. Yes, And that, well, you can't take care of your stuff Managers because of, of a the fire. World. Yeah. yeah, come on. Um, and, you know, if you're all in this together and like you were saying, the dinosaurs didn't know one country from the other because they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh wouldn't you scientist to scientist reach out and like how can I help you rather than turning your nose up at it but you know again it's this colonial mindset.
2: And also I mean it's and I joked earlier about like can't we get the adults to learn how to share but it is like very much not just a children's thing is that it's this whole like mine but I want it. Mm -hmm. If I can't have it I'm taking the ball home. All the stuff you see children do we see adults do they just do it on paperwork and with press announcements but it's the same thing.
3: Well and they it's you know because of the power that they hold they feel they don't have to share but you Demonstrate larger power by sharing. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And it's a greater gift to give yourself.
3: Isn't it though? I know. Because you know what? Sharing is caring <laughs>
2: Yes, it is. <laughs>
3: That's it for today. Uh, you can find us online at ridiculouscrime.com. Uh, we're also at ridiculous crime on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can email ridiculouscrime at gmail.com at your own risk. And you can leave a talk back on the iHeart app. Reach out. That's it. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett, produced and edited by Davosaurus Kustin. Research is by Marissa, Velociraptor to the Stars, Brown, and Andrea, Cutest Little Popasaurus, Song Charpentier. The theme song is by reanimated Iguanodon, Thomas Lee, and renowned Brontosaurus Burger Chef, Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Ben. Give Chile the mylodon remains. Bolin and Noel. Return Zambia's Broken Hill Skull immediately or I will rain down hellfire upon you. Brown.
0: Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story.
0: Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's like the police knew who he was before they got here.
0: From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life.